This episode of Bright Hearth is brought to you by Indigo Sundries Soap Company, GM King's Coffee, Private Family Banking, and by our supporters at Patreon.com. We were keeping our eye on 1984. When the year came and the prophecy didn't, thoughtful Americans sang softly in praise of themselves. The roots of liberal democracy had held. Wherever else the terror had happened, we at least had not been visited by the Orwellian nightmares. But we had forgotten that alongside Orwell's dark vision, there was another, slightly older, slightly less well-known, equally chilling. Aldous Huxley's Brave New World. Contrary to common belief, even among the educated, Huxley and Orwell did not prophesy the same thing. Orwell warns that we will be overcome by an externally imposed oppression. But in Huxley's vision, no big brother is required to deprive people of their autonomy, maturity, and history. As he saw it, People will come to love their oppression, to adore the technologies that undo their capacities to think. What Orwell feared were those who would ban books. What Huxley feared was that there would be no reason to ban a book, for there would be no one who wanted to read one. Orwell feared those who would deprive us of information. Huxley feared those who would give us so much that we would be reduced to passivity and egoism. Orwell feared that the truth would be concealed from us. Huxley feared the truth would be drowned in a sea of irrelevance. Orwell feared we would become a captive culture. Huxley feared we would become a trivial culture, preoccupied with some equivalent of the feelies, the orgy-porgy, and the centrifugal bumble puppy. As Aldous Huxley remarked in Brave New World Revisited, the civil libertarians and rationalists who are ever on the alert to oppose tyranny, quote, failed to take into account man's almost infinite appetite for distractions. In 1984, Orwell added, people are controlled by inflicting pain. In Brave New World, they are controlled by inflicting pleasure. In short, Orwell feared that what we fear will ruin us. Huxley feared that what we desire will ruin us. Excerpt from Amusing Ourselves to Death, Public Discourse in the Age of Show Business by Neil Postman. Welcome back to Bright Hearth, everybody. Ryan and Lexi are here before dinner time. Yes. Very unusual time for us to be podcasting, but yeah. here we are. We're giving it a shot, guys. And We're who trying. knows who knows what'll happen. We have been sick, so we haven't felt well. <laughs> yeah, you can after, hear me coughing. I'm gonna be coughing yeah, like the whole By episode. bedtime, we're kind of not feeling great right now. So people are constantly complaining at Haunted Cosmos about me coughing. You know, I've been noticing it more lately, yeah. but And I'm like, guys, listen. I occasionally get a virus and it brings me to my knees as much as any other man. The man cold is a real thing. So I'm trying to find our question. Oh, I have our question. Have yeah. our next question. Before we get to our question, I want to oh. let people know that um, the the company that we plugged last time, Indigo Sundries Soap Company, they actually started an exclusive uh, discount code for us. So check it out. It's If you use code BrightHearth, Indigo Sundry Soap, they've got no seed oils, any junk, phthalates, any kind of like hormone disruptors in their soap. They have Castile soap, 10-bar bundles, 6-bar bundles, men's, women's, all kind of stuff. Check it out and use code BRIGHTHEARTH, all caps, no spaces, 10% off your order. So wanted to let everybody know about that. But babe, what do we got? What's our question today? Our question is, how does social media fit in with the productive Christian household? Great question. I think this is actually a really good question. And I figured if we can try to get this done while dinner's cooking, it'd probably be good to do it pretty briefly. So 
Three things come to mind on this. See if you agree. First one is I think we need to talk about how we use social media because I like to think we're a productive Christian household that uses social media. And then maybe we can talk about some dangers and things to avoid and then maybe some good things too. Mm -hmm. Sound good? Yes, sounds good. So how do you use social media, babe? (sighs) How do I use it or how would you like me to use it? We're a team. I use it almost purely recreationally. Uh Uh-huh. In that my boundary that I have placed on myself is like, if it's no longer a source of inspiration, but becomes anxiety and like, I'm avoiding my work in the home, I just cut it out. That's just kind of it. So because of that, there have been seasons here and there. If you followed me for any length of time where I just kind of ghost for a long time because I have a lot of work to do. I also am very aware that like, it's a platform People can't look at me on social media and separate me from being Brian's wife. Yeah. So I'm very cognizant of that. And and it is a Titus 2 type place where you can be sharing yeah. helpful things. So I am aware of that. It's not like I'm passively just consuming like an anonymous account sort of a thing. Does that sure. make sense? Yeah. But I am also, if it's not fun for me, I just don't do it. Yeah. So, and, and that's, yeah. So- it's going to be filled with recipes and, you know, encouragements yeah. that to me, I'm literally telling myself these exact same things. And I think another woman might want to hear it or, you know, architecture stuff. I'm not like, I'm not trying to make it fit into some other type of a mold. It's just my personality on online. Yeah. That, I think that's a good, good starting place. It's like, as a baseline, it's perfectly okay to say that social media is a way of meeting interesting people having fun yeah. being lighthearted in some ways I was thinking about it. It's become because I don't have the time anymore to sit and journal. Like I said, I used to do it's become my source of marginalia. Yeah. In some ways it online. So yeah. Yeah. So you're, you're pretty like you, you do some Instagram stuff. You post pictures, just Twitter occasionally. I don't really see you're not on Facebook at all, are you? I'm not on Facebook. I'm not on Instagram right now either, actually, but not on Instagram at all. See, <clears throat> I I the thing is I only post things on Instagram. I don't actually look through posts on Instagram. So I don't know why I made that decision either. I can't really remember. But I'm yeah. really liking Twitter. I haven't been on Twitter for a couple years. Yeah. So bottom line is that you use it intermittently, sporadically. You use it when you want to. Mm-hmm. It's definitely not something that I ever worry like, oh my word, Lexi. And I'm nursing be... right now, so I I use social media more when I'm nursing. Yeah, because I know I get enough reading time in the in the day. <laughs> I'm not like panicking if for five minutes, a few times a day, I'm on social media responding to people. Yeah. I just don't panic about. It. I'm not so, weird about it. So pretty much Twitter right now. Twitter, yeah. yeah I, I personally can't handle multiple social media platforms. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so Lexi is not dispositionally. One that I worry will fall into the ditch of like, wow, she just never gets off social media. She's just constantly arguing and fighting and Alfred's joining the party here. You know, she's just constantly bickering with people on social media. I don't really worry about that. As for me, the way that I I use quite a few, I'm on Facebook, Twitter, Gab, Instagram. Those are kind of the ones I think. And I use social media for a lot of different things. I use it uh, for making friends with people. For kind of not being, you know, more lighthearted, like uh, I try not to take it too seriously. So I'll post lyrics from DC Talk about a man with a tat on his big fat belly wiggling around like marmalade jelly. From time to time, um, joke around with my friends, kind of like it's it's okay to do that. 
I post serious stuff pretty regularly. I'll post, you know, things from sermons and that that sort of thing. But for me, the the biggest thing social media is is like a signal flare that you're putting up to hold the Overton window uh, and an attempt to move the Overton window within Christian culture and reformed Christian culture on issues that I see as the most important and pressing cultural and theological issues of the day, and also highlight real work that I'm trying to get done, and we're at New Christian Press, and that my friends and other people that I think are doing good work, trying to amplify their message, highlight it, and um, use it as a teaching platform. Because one of the things I think is, you know, maybe now moving into some, some, let's talk about good things about social media. One of the things that I think people underestimate is how much social media can actually change your life for the better if you use it correctly. Yeah, I was going to say that I think it was 2018 or 2019 where you told me I want you to get on Twitter. And it's funny because some of the biggest life-changing decisions or ideas that have captivated us since then have literally just been because of Twitter. Yeah. And, and and it really is a different atmosphere from Instagram. I don't really know how to describe it, but it just, it just is. It's word forward, not image yeah. forward is a big part of it. Yeah. Yeah. So, and because of that, I am very moved by words into the real life. So it helps me very quickly. Like it, it does increase the output of my, my home and my work time and my, you know, my thought life to be on there in a way that is different if I just didn't have it and I was just sitting yeah. on the couch. Yeah, I think you know? if you if you follow the right people, if you find wise voices on important issues, like cultural issues, political issues, social issues, um, things that you're interested in, like there are so many niches where if you're interested in literally any everything from gardening to uh, Christian nationalism, like you're going to find really good cutting edge to the up to the date to the minute info on a place like Twitter. And so some of the biggest ideas or light bulb moments for me, biggest connections, education's a science of connections have come from following people on Twitter Mm -hmm. and then seeing who they're following and seeing who who's influencing them. And where's the publishing happening and these ideas who's where's the narrative being driven. It's kind of like the Areopagus of the modern day or the agon where ideas are being fought over and wrestled and where philosophy and theology and life and cultural are all meeting. So I think it's funny because I think you can use Twitter or social media as a fun, lighthearted, jovial, not taking yourself too seriously, friendship-oriented, and I think you can use it to hash out and learn about some of the most important ideas, things that will literally change your life. Yeah. Like I tell people, if you if you follow the right people, they will probably tell you things that change your life for the better if you will have ears to hear. Yeah, I think I think you have to see it as a serious pursuit, though. <laughs> Even if it is seriously funny at times, yeah. you can't see it as a waste of time. Yeah. And I've said this before about Instagram. It's why I'm very cautious about who I follow. I don't follow... Like I'm not, I, I want to be consuming things that are interesting to me and edifying, not just like, oh, cool, this random person has such and such to say that I disagree with about the war right now. Like, right. I don't want to get riled up about things. So I don't hate follow people. No, hate follow. Is that what it's called? People hate know. follow people or they'll follow people just because everything they post makes them angry. Okay. Well, no, I actually tried to opposite of that. Yeah, no, no. 
It, 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 so I can't you believe wanna... people actually think they have time to do that. That's the thing yeah. is I know I don't have much time, so I have to use it fruitfully. <laughs> yes. So, so, so I think social media can be really good on those fronts if you're using it carefully. If you have important things to say and you are thinking carefully through these issues and maybe you're a pastor or you're uh, in some senses, you know, leading culturally, it's one of the best places to get a message out to people. It, it, you know, it's like wisdom in Proverbs cries aloud in the streets. Why? Because that's where the market was. That's where everybody was. Social media is a, a place of human gathering. So because of that, you get everything that comes with humans being concentrated in an area from the sin to the glory. It's all there on social media. So I think that's absolutely some good aspects of social media. Our sponsor, Private Family Banking Partners, is on a mission to help Christians live out the Dominion Mandate by making a stealth-like move away from the mainstream banks and into their own privatized banking system. This innovative system is designed to guarantee uninterrupted compound interest and tax-free growth without exposure to typical stock market risks. To join this growing community that is already building wealth into future generations and converting post-mill talk into post-mill action, contact Private Family Banking Partner Chuck DeLatteranti at his email, chuck at privatefamilybanking.com. That's chuck at privatefamilybanking.com. To set up an appointment and to receive a free copy of Chuck's new book, Protect Your Money Now, How to Build Multi-Generational Wealth Outside of Wall Street and Avoid the Coming Banking Meltdown, Go to the links in the show notes below. What other what other positives come to mind for you, Lexi, about social media? Like super practically, I think it's really diversified my reading probably over the last couple of years. Um, just seeing so many people in so many different places and what their reading history has been. It's just pulling from a wider web of yeah. libraries, intellectual libraries, I guess. Yeah, it's really pushed me in my skill set way more than Instagram has. Yeah. Even so much as recently, I don't even remember who it was. Someone posted, I was complaining about like how many times I've tried to learn to knit and somebody was yeah. like, it was just brute force. It just has to be brute force. And I've literally told myself so many times over the last few weeks, like this is going to be brute force. I will be a knitter. And you guess can do what? It. I have knitted so many things lately, You've but been knitting. and I don't know. I re, I'm curious to hear your thoughts on this. I've always been a verbally driven person. It's just uh-huh. who I am. I don't think the average woman is that way necessarily, though. So, do you mean that they're not that they're talkative or not? You mean that they're no. they learn more from yeah images are more no. drawn to images. Like I, I guess, what do you mean? I know there are categories of women that I would be cautious to tell them ever to get on Twitter, just because either they're anxiety ridden naturally, or yeah. they don't know how to move what they're learning into the real world fast enough. Yeah. So it becomes a consumption versus production issue. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know what I think about telling everybody to get on social media. I don't necessarily yeah. think it's, I actually, I don't think it is for everybody. Yeah. I don't think it is either. If I would say, if you're able to use it dispositionally in that, having fun, making friends, getting a, d- a diverse group of people outside of your own bubble and learning a lot and being shaped by that, that could be really helpful. I think if you have important ideas that you're chewing on off social media and building things and doing real things in the real world, it can be a great funnel to amplify a message or put up a signal flare or make connections yeah. around that. 
I do think, though, that we're now getting into the dangers side of it. Okay, well, there and, you go. And one of them, I think, particularly would be towards ladies. I think ladies, if you can't, if you can't, not, this is true of men too, actually. If you can't not be obsessed with every controversy, if if you find if you're getting genuinely worked up regularly, and it's like you're just constantly, you feel like you have to jump in on everything you see, you disagree on, you have to comment on. You become an expert in all of the controversies that are going around every day, and you're keeping up with them, and you're developing a highly detailed taxonomy of all of your you know, people that you hate their guts, and so, of course, you follow them so that you can get riled up as much as possible. Like That is definitely a terrible way to use social media, and it's probably making you sin if you use it like that. Yeah, I... I feel like I was fairly cautious with this already on mm-hmm. Twitter a couple of years ago when I was using it. Yeah. But after being gone for so long and being back, I am extremely like yeah. way more than before. Like Lexi who get out of their business. <laughs> yes. And and there's a temptation that like Paul warns women particularly against busybodying for like going from house to house. I could have, we could have an entire episode on this. Topic. Yeah. Be- because it is, I think a particular temptation for the ladies. So I would urge the ladies who are listening to not become digital busybodies, not to make it your mission to argue with, especially in, in ways that are unbecoming for a godly woman. Like if you find yourself constantly dunking on ministers of the gospel in, in churches and uh, you know that kind of thing where you're just, you're constantly getting into basically verbal fisticuffs with, with, with men. I think that's inappropriate. And I would urge you not to do that. You should be embarrassed. (laughs) Yeah. I I would urge you not to do, I would not allow Lexi to do that if she happened to want to, which she doesn't, but I just wouldn't, I try not to generally argue with women on Twitter. I'll try to be like respond or, you know, that kind of thing occasionally, but not to, I don't think that's appropriate or I don't think it's becoming is, is the word maybe that I'd pick. It, yeah, it's not a feminine tool in your tool belt to be arguing with men on a regular basis yeah. or to be snarky. That's the other thing I see a lot uh-huh. of women online that they just think, well, I'm not arguing. I'm just being snarky with yeah. them. I'm just making a snarky comment about it. And it's like, no, that's also not constant sarcasm. Yeah, it's not, you know, not helpful. So it even reminds me of, you know, I think a related issue to this would be. Ladies have to understand. So we're talking about the agon. We're talking about Areopagus. We're talking about the war of ideas and sparks fly. And in some ways, I consider Twitter to be like a male space in that way. So I think that if a lady has trouble watching that discourse between two men, for example, who are debating a point, and they're constantly being offended and grabbing their petticoats and going, because the men are engaging in a male way, they should not be you know watching they should probably no. remove themselves and not be watching because men no. engage with ideas like this in uh, in particular ways that are often i think they just they basically fly in the face of some feminine sensibilities because ladies often um like to you know they're wired towards consensus building and team building and bringing people together that's yeah. glorious that's actually a good thing like women should be doing that. Yeah. God made them to do that. And men are often wired more towards fighting and defending 
and um, you know, delineating in black and white. And yeah. and so a lot of times what happens is men will be, you know, pastors or will be talking about ideas like Christian nationalism or something. And you have this whole audience of petticoat grabbing ladies who are constantly a flutter and offended and constantly rejoindering and constantly um, like lecturing the the men on the app, like, hey, stop, stop doing that. Stop. Mm-hmm. Because men, the thing that ladies don't understand is that when we like each other or when we're like fruitfully discussing something, sometimes we make fun of each other. Yeah. We meme on each other. It's okay. It's okay and it's good. And as a woman, I was I was watching Henry V recently and it was during the the very last battle. So after his big speech and everything. Yeah. He's just poking constant fun at the enemy. And it was interesting because I was watching it and thinking, this is literally what's happening on Twitter yeah. in an intellectual, spiritual way. And yet there's no women involved on the physical battlefield. But mm-hmm. the complication of Twitter is that there are women involved on the yes. the battlefield. So, I mean, there have been times when, like, I'm very aware that my pastors, all of them, are somewhat controversial sometimes and they yeah. post things that are controversial and and it even me I have to be like okay Lexi you know these people you have dinner with them once a week you see their kids every single day and I have to tell myself like you know their character don't don't be don't be frustrated by the tools they're using at the moment. You know their character and you actually agree exactly with what they're saying. Yeah. You so I've had to tell myself like you need to just walk away from this. This this isn't your realm to be, you know, going in and defending or commenting yeah. about or Yeah. So so I guess what I'm trying to say by that is like if I have to know Lexi be careful the women who don't know these men need to be just as careful because they have to be even more charitable because they don't know the actual character of these people. Yeah. Does that make sense what I'm saying? Yeah, I'm following you. Like okay. I don't want you to be going out and even with people I disagree with, I would not want my wife to be going and arguing with them. No. And well, and you know, honestly moment. what I have learned is through many of the Twitter this is actually why I left Twitter a couple years ago anyways when the whole dear Brian thing happened is I realized these feminists Mm -hmm. literally, literally don't think I exist. I mean, some of them were even saying she's a paid actress. So it literally didn't matter how much time I spent defending you. I was a made-up person, a made-up account. It literally didn't matter. And so that was when, to me, I was like, this this isn't the way that I'm supposed to be defending my husband as a woman at all. So that's why I got off Twitter is just because it was like, well, this is pointless. (laughs) And I think a lot of men, men have the ability to have a thousand people call them stupid and doo-doo faces and other things (laughs) and just chuckle and go home and they're totally fine. And I know some women have that capability too, but I think a lot of women, some men too, but a lot of women really struggle with that. And it would eat them up and they'd be anxious about it. And they'd want, they'd be, they'd be, I just want to correct them. I need them to change their mind, like to stop. And it'll just keep going. I've seen some threads um, where people will argue for like 300 comments back and forth and, and no one's going to change their mind. And, and I'm like, guys, I don't actually think that's the best use of, of the time. And I think it's a particular danger with propriety when it comes to the ladies. So would you say you use social media more to pique people's interest, not necessarily to change their mind? I generally am not trying to 
debate people who have really set opinions on things into adopting my view. Okay. I'm actually trying mainly to reach the person on the fence. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah or yeah. the person who Correct. agrees, but they might feel isolated or, or yes. out. I okay. want basically also for my church to have a pastor who's out front addressing these things because it does a couple things. Number one, it filters people out who mm-hmm. are who are going to be enormous problems in the church. We're going to come in and they're going to be like offended at literally everything we say about sexed piety and maleness and femaleness and uh, and LGBTQ stuff. And they're just going to be offended all the time. And, and they want us to be constantly like what Joe Rigney in, in an article he wrote today as we record this about the Moscow mood. He talked about like the undue desire for respectability is a besetting sin of evangelicalism where people want to be seen as reasonable and respectable into the world and to the broad evangelical world even. And what that will get you over time is compromise, where churches are not willing to do things that will often lose them the the image of respectability. So I think as a pastor, one of the important functions today in our culture is for pastors to be out front drawing fire on the exact issues where the culture and where the evangelical culture and where the, the broader culture is basically attempting to counter-disciple the people, take a stand there, rally the people there, and also draw the fire myself there so that some of the people who might otherwise actually be like, yeah, I'm going to go and um, join this church, or I'm going to do this thing, and then weaken our church, some of those people need to be filtered out and even rebuked. So it's, it's, it's also a sorting mechanism, I think, that's important, particularly for leaders there's a rule, I can't remember what what the rule is called. It's like, it has some name, but basically that if an organization is not overtly and aggressively right-wing, it will eventually become left-wing. You can't just be neutral or be like secretly conservative. Liberals will eat you alive. Theological liberalism, cultural liberalism. So you need leaders who are constantly doing the thing that will sort out people who would otherwise come in and softly, slowly, winsomely, kindly, gently lead your church down the road of compromise and and, uh, liberalism. So I think that's really important as well and happens on social media. Yeah, I think that's what I meant earlier when I was trying to say, I don't have time to waste. I want the people that are going to be as (laughs) blunt with me as possible about all sorts of things. Yeah. There there are obviously some other dangers about social media. Like if you, uh, your time... If you're constantly social mediaing to the neglect of your duties, obviously that's a problem. You should you should limit. You need to. Can I tell you something I don't like? Yeah, go I ahead. No, you know I don't like this. Yeah. I hate when people are like using multiple screens at a time. To me, that is uh-huh. just you're sitting down watching, moving with your family, and on social media. Like I don't like that. Yeah, it just rubs me the wrong way. Yeah. So I'm- that's kind of a cue to me that I'm like either I need to put my phone away or I'm like, hey, Bry. Put yeah. your phone away. <laughs> yeah, I would net first of all, I don't know. I would never do any of this. Like that is like last night, I would not do that, for example. Or I mean, you you guys, we've all seen it at like when people are out at dinner and everyone's on their phone. Like, yeah, that's there's that's like warning sign. There, yes. And to mm-hmm. that's just something to me, I don't like that. Yeah, it's not you have to be careful that social media does not become an alternate life that yeah, slowly crowds out your actual life. Social media should be a way to amplify what's good about the life you're actually living, the work you're actually doing, making connections in the real world, helping with actual things you're 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 working on. But 
if it becomes basically like The Sims, you know, that game, yeah. I never played it, but yeah, is in that like you have a whole life. It was like Dwight Schrute on The Office had some version of it where he was like everything about his life was the same, except he could fly. What? Remember Dwight Schrute? No, I do not remember <laughs> He was that. still a paper salesman in oh his my. like fantasy world, but he could that's fly. That's funny. Anyway, yeah. Th- th- I think that's obviously a huge, like, li- you know, men, if you're not getting your work done, ladies, if you're not getting your work done, that's obviously, uh, and, and that includes like all of your work. Yeah. Another thing I think that's related to the cold open from a great book, Amusing Ourselves to Death, Neil Postman, it's a really prophetic book. He wrote it pre-internet. He was actually writing it mainly about television. But it has such prescience for the internet age as well, is that social media can give you the illusion that you know something when you actually don't. You've only read tweet-length versions of anything, and you form all your opinions from like 280-character tweets on subjects that really would require you to study several books to have a beginning of an understanding of the issue. Yeah. So I think that's a huge issue as well, is that it can give you the illusion of mastery. Oh, yeah. I, I That's something I've been telling myself since I've been using it again. Like, Lexi, you can't let this <coughs> replace your reading life. Because it is yes. interesting. Yeah. You get interesting bits of information here and there, which for someone like me, that does lead me deep down like research rabbit trails where I do want to get to the book this person yes. learned it from. But then are you actually picking up the book and not following another rabbit trail? Or yeah. are you, you know what I mean? So That's great. Yeah, you have to be really again, just just discipline, putting up yeah. the right fences, but also allowing enough inflow that you're you're feeling more creative. Yeah. I don't like, know. I'm speaking Huxley, in female terms about this, I feel like. <laughs> that's okay. You're a female. Huxley in Brave New World, I think, got closer than Orwell in 1984 in a lot of these issues where we were enslaved by uh, cheap pleasures in Brave New World versus Tyrannical Overlords in 1984. One of the dangers is that each tweet or each social Instagram post or each whatever is like a little sugar packet of dopamine that you go from sugar packet to sugar packet to sugar packet to sugar packet. And what they should be instead of that, if you're using it wisely, like you said, Lexi, is it should be like a footnote or a hyperlink that takes you deeper into doing more work in a subject yeah. and picking up more lasting and, and, and resources with greater depth. That can be deeply helpful. The other one can give you an, an illusion of vast knowledge when you really actually have a surface level bare, you know, bare understanding of almost everything. And that's very dangerous because often we get more opinionated the less we know about something and our opinions can be like wildly immune to reason. Yeah. At that point. Anything else for dangers that come to mind? I know there's a million. Oh, goodness. Yeah. I don't, I, I have, okay. I don't (laughs) don't know how to put this. I've seen multiple women that get on social media and they're like, oh yeah, I'm a trad wife. Uh I'm a trad homeschool mom. I'm a trad this, I'm a trad that. And then something doesn't go their way. Like some genuinely tragic thing happens and they suffer and they, I don't know why, but they like throw it all out the window and become hyper cynical about things. Yeah. And then hyper critical about quote unquote trad people. Yeah. Um, th- mm-hmm. and, and maybe it's just that in real life, maybe they're not that way. It's just amplified on social media. I don't know, but yeah, I would caution women against that. Like, 
projecting your emotions while you're going through trials. Like I don't, don't process that online. Like, I don't think there's anything wrong with saying, Hey, pray for us. You know, we had a miscarriage or Hey, pray for us. We have a cancer diagnosis or something like that, obviously. Mm -hmm. But I think, especially in the generation under us, I've noticed this, like I didn't get an iPhone until Ari was born. Yeah. So I went through high school without one, my childhood without one. Yeah. You know, my first pregnancy without one. But these kids younger than us that are actually adults now, not kids, who had it from a very young age, they have to process every little bit of information online. Online constantly. Like uh five oh four, I made coffee, baby woke me up. Like in addition to processing the suffering. Yeah. And I just don't think that's the appropriate place for it. <laughs> It makes me wonder how many real life friends they have <laughs> or just like it. Honestly, it makes me question their husbands. Like if I did that, please tell me no. <laughs> yeah. Um. So that's just something if you're younger than us, we're in our early thirties and you feel like you need to explain every single bit of your day, take a picture then everything single moment through your house, through your kitchen, please stop. Like you might be the person that needs to turn that off and that yeah. needs to invite people over to your house to have actual conversations instead. Yeah. Um, I don't, I just don't like that because I'm just thinking like, I know how long it takes me to post what I post. What are you doing with your time? Yeah. I think you actually brought up something that is also a danger here and that's putting on an online costume of a thing. That is the flip I'm side of trad this, yes. or I'm whatever this is, but it doesn't really reflect in your life and it's not, it doesn't have roots and you don't really have any depth of awareness of that thing. So you can do this with anything. You can put on your online costume and be like, I am a covenanter, Scottish Presbyterian, this, 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 all the way down. It's like, my brother in Christ, you are a member at an evangelical megachurch, and you've read two Puritan paperbacks, and now you are LARPing as a deeply rooted Scottish covenanter Presbyterian, or whatever else it is, like you, or a trad wife, or a, you know, whatever. You can put these things on and LARP as them and wear them as costumes. It's okay to get to be a novice at something, that's that's totally fine. But what happens is that people then rapidly, they change their opinions about a million things from really shallow research and social media yeah. memeing. And then they adopt this whole persona that's not actually connected vitally to their life, their actual life. And it ends up shipwrecking a lot of people. Because then they get you know one little poke to the soap bubble and they throw off the whole thing. Yes. And all of a sudden, the person who was like super edgy right wing You trad is, wives are you know, you're earning your salvation with your homemade sourdough bread. And like, they just, uh huh, and they're just like, it's like, no, 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 you obviously didn't have the right orientation to begin with. All of a sudden they're deconstructing and they're yes. like, actually, I know everything about that. Cause I used to be one. And I'm yes, like, a lot yes, of you yes, didn't yes. used to be one. You actually just pretended to be one online yes. for 10 minutes. And so you actually have no idea what you're talking about. And then other people are like, oh yeah, of course those people are bad. Like those people that, this insider just debunked everything about them. And you're like, no, they, 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 they had no depth. They had no root yeah. in the thing that they were putting on as a costume. It wasn't real. It was just an illusion all along. So you have to be careful not to be rapidly um, morphed into uh, basically like an online costume version of a thing without, again, you shouldn't be changing your mind on large theological issues from a tweet. Maybe it makes you read a book or two books or five books or 10 books, and then you change your mind and it's six months or it's a year, or it's two years. Great. I've changed my mind on things before, but don't just let somebody tweet you into something 
all of a sudden, or build an aesthetic that all of a sudden you're drawn to and you're like, I'm going to become that whole thing. And, and pretty soon again, like I've seen this with everything. You have these young, like 20 year olds who are all of a sudden like Eastern Orthodox and, you know, or Roman Catholic or Anglican or Lutheran or Presbyterian or whatever is it is, or 1689 Baptist. He really <laughs> that's likes the Alfred this Amen. domino. <laughs> he loves that domino. Good domino. Anyway, I think that's probably good. Any any thoughts before we wrap land up the land up the plane? Before we land, land up the up plane? plane. Uh, you know, check in with your husband every <laughs> once in a while. Yeah. Let him be brutally honest. Yeah. Am I online too much? Yeah. I mean, and it's hard. He doesn't know. He's not home with you. Mm-hmm. He doesn't know. So you have to be the big girl who is brutally honest with yourself and putting your phone somewhere else. Yeah. Yeah. If you're not getting your work done. So Excellent. Uh, I, 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 Missy's new book is out, Simplified oh, yeah, Organization. Check it out. And she, her, just stuff she says has helped me figure a lot of this out. Yeah. Like, Misty. Wh- how am I using this to avoid my actual work? Am I looking at the plan to do the plan or am I looking at my phone to avoid the plan? <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. So check out her book because I think it will help just kind of give you guys some <coughs> hooks to hang yeah. these social media thoughts on. It's called Simplified Organization, Misty Winkler, which is. Uh, M-Y-S-T-I-E, and then Winkler is W-I-N-C-K-L-E-R. I would say link in the description, but every time I say that, I forget to do it anyway. So look it up <laughs> yourselves, guys. You can do it. You're, you're big kids. So thanks for listening, guys. We appreciate you. If you would like to help continue to make this show possible, uh, you can become a patron. And every week, I know we're going every other week now, Bright Hearth, but every week we put out a short little patron-only podcast called In the Kitchen. Often it's Lexi going through something very granular with home organization or feeding sick people or, a cat, you know, clothing your children, like a million different things. Sometimes we discuss issues related to the episode. That's called In the Kitchen. It's there at patreon.com slash bright hearth. There is a link for that in the description. And uh, also a lot of the tiers of support come with like a cool feed the patriarchy mug or some other stuff. So thanks guys. We hope that this episode was edifying to you. Remember Festa Lente, make haste slowly and may the Lord bless you and yours. <laughs>